Hello everyone, you are tuned into the Laugh Inc. Podcast with your amazing host, T. Drake. I hope you're going to have an amazing day. This is a Sunday recording for you, so thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you will come back for more musings, more education, more things about the topics about domestic violence, and more resources. So you can find me on IG, GGTHW, the number 18, and you can also reach out to me by God's gift through his word as well. That is my second podcast. So if you would like to come over and get some spiritual food and encouragement and inspiration, you are more welcome than that to do so. And please do not forget to follow me on all the different podcast platforms and as well as check out the nightly show that I do as well as the morning convos with myself and Pastor Jay every Monday morning at 4 a.m., 6 a.m., and 7 a.m., PST, CST, and EST, respectively. So thank you for your time. I look forward to have more guests. And if you would like to be part of this and you want to also lend some financial support so I can continue to do what I do, I would be very grateful. So thank you for all your time and support. And we're going to get right into some reflective time today. God bless and enjoy. There we go, an engagement trainer. 
I was like, yay. It's a like little uh, small miniature uh, supervisor position. So I am very excited, looking forward to it. And I haven't had a job in such a long time. And when I first arrived to California in 2016, I was looking for a job, looking for housing. Could never find anything. But you know what they say, Lord, the Lord is an on-time God. So at that time, it just probably was not the right time. But this time, it is going to work out. And then I have someone's going to be able to watch the kids. And now I just have to maneuver with the other two being dropped off and all of that stuff. So I'm just like, wow, okay, this is, this is good stuff. So I'm also wondering if I have to schedule them a ride because they have a, a company out here that can drop the kids off. So I'm going to uh, see about that, you know, so I don't have to trouble my family to do it, but it's okay. I said, I know the Lord's going to work it out for me and I have been just excited. And today I am also speaking at the clubhouse a little mentor event today uh, for three or five. I'm only going to be uh, sharing three minutes of something encouraging. And then also uh, I will be doing a meet and greet today as well for Trauma Informed LA. And then they have an event that they got coming up October 23rd. So I'll be putting that out on Facebook a little more. So if you want to join that, you're more than welcome to do it. They do have free tickets. And I think if you wanted to donate, you can donate $15. But they do have free tickets that you can get to register. So you have more than enough time to grab your free tickets and see what there is to share. Because I see all of the panel has a lot of doctors uh, that have been working in the African-American community. And they're talking about the African-American community and uh, black parenting and the intersectionality of it and how uh, we all can do better with the parenting for African-American people because it always is not fair when it has to do with a certain African-Americans. And just like me, when I call for services, well, this, the, the state had taken my kids, right? Because the person on the other end had lied and then they automatically called DCFS. So uh, they were saying, this is what we're trying to prevent you know, that extra trauma that didn't need to be, you know, so I'm going to just continue to do my part in wherever the Lord is leading and however he's leading, I'm just going to continue to, of course, move and do as, as he leads me. So I know I haven't been doing a lot of podcasts lately and it's not because I don't want to. I just want you guys to be clear about that. I haven't been doing podcasts because, of course, I've been doing the consistency thing about getting sure my videos come out at night and making sure I do the Monday morning combos uh, with Pastor Jay and myself. And we are still doing that, talking about witchcraft in the church, which has been a really good series. Uh, we just finished talking about Kundalini. So we will be talking about on Monday a list that we both have have found and we'll be comparing notes so it'll be really really good to see how you'll know about witchcraft in the church so and how you can find what you got to look out for when you look out for uh, witchcraft in the church so uh, we we definitely share to inform and to let people know this stuff is very real and it's it's not fake and people say witches don't exist uh, yes they do <laughs> They do exist. They just don't exist like a cartoon character, right? But they do exist. They practice their incantations and their spells and all of that with the stuff that they do. And they're trying to, of course, get things for themselves. It's all about selfish reasons not to help anybody else, right? So, yes, they definitely do exist. So, if you guys have not checked it out, you can check it out on Facebook, uh, my channel, and YouTube, or you can check out uh, this whole thing on Pastor Jay's channel, Walking Truth Radio Network, and uh, both YouTube channels, God's Get Through His Word, because they'll be both up on both channels. So we'll be probably be wrapping up, and then you guys know what's coming up 
next November. So I'm gonna have to uh, plan early, early, early how I'm gonna really get my September, not my September, sorry, my, no my November, my November cuffing season because that's what's coming up next. And you guys know we've been talking about cuffing season for a while. So um, I invite you guys to get ready for that because we are coming up on to that. And as I continue to discover about if this is my father or not out here, I'll be dealing with that too. So I haven't been talking about it as much in public. I've been dealing with it in little bits and pieces, but after I had discovered through Ancestry.com some a gentleman who looked like me with the, like the eyes because the eyes were big, and I found out that he lives out here in Southern California with me, now I do have to get together with him and figure out if the father that he calls his dad is my father because then it's my brother and so my mother never told me even though I asked her consistently and often who's my father because she made it known to me that the man downstairs uh, one time when we were in uh, Colorado Springs said the man downstairs that you call dad he's not your father because she was upset because of what my uh, younger sister had taken out of my diary and she read it and of course I was voicing my opinion in my diary but of course she she read it right so from 12 years old up till currently my age of 41 I knew that man was no longer my father and I had been treated different the entire time I was always treated different and it didn't make a difference because she really didn't care and you can't process that stuff as a child trying to figure out, well, if he's not my daddy, well, where is my father, right? Because you want to know. You didn't know that you, you had another dad because the entire time you have been told that this is your dad. But then you got upset and said he's not even your dad. And then when I asked you later, and I asked my mom later, just tell me who he is. And she gave me a name, but she didn't tell me anything else. And then she told me a story. And she told me the story and said that my father was in the Navy, which, okay, that was true, right? I'm trying to go through truths and the lies of figuring this out. My father was in the Navy, but he was out at sea. And she tried calling him to let him know that I had been born and he didn't want any parts of me. So he never came back. So that's the story she told me. He said he was going to Rhoda, Spain and he was never coming back. But apparently, I'm almost finding out that he didn't even know I existed. So then that story was a lie. Now, there was another story. I'm going to give you all the stories so you guys on the podcast will get the story. I'm not going to put the story out on video because on video, uh, my family is always watching my videos So on YouTube. So I try to not put everything out there. But for podcasts, I'll put it out there for you guys. So the, another story that my dad, who currently uh, I am always calling dad, who adopted me, he told me that when he came to my life, he had met my father and that he and my mother at the time had uh, been going through a custody issue and he was fighting for custody for me. He's like, but don't tell your mother. He's like, and there was a little bit of a, that domestic violence in there as well he's like but shh don't tell your mother that i told you that so he gives me his own story i never told my mother the story he gave me right my mom gives me her own story gives me little bits of the truth but it's still all a lie right so then there is one more story i'm trying to figure out why so many stories if he if he is a bad dude he's a bad dude but let me know so my mother had another story and she said that there was a time when she had walked in on my biological father and he was sniffing something with his friends and he looked up and he had white stuff over his nose which of course that would be cocaine and she left and said i can't be with you because of this and so that was another story so i don't know you know when when you don't know the information and people think that you'll never find the information you can say whatever kind of story whatever kind of lie you want so i had three stories that have been told to me 
Over the years, I was treated like the black sheep of the family, alienated all the time, ostracized in certain things, treated like Cinderella for real, because anytime we would have any kind of big dinners, I was always the one told to clean up all the dishes, right? And everybody would just, you know, go watch a movie or something, and I'd be in the kitchen cleaning up the dishes, wiping down the counters. And so anytime, you know, meals would would be finished at big holidays, I would just get up and I would start washing the dishes because I knew I would have a lot to do, okay? So sometimes my family members, they would help, but most of the time they wouldn't, you know? And I remember one particular holiday and it was a big feast again and all the family members were there, but this time a cousin was there and he said, hey, why is Tanika always the one washing up the dishes that nobody else ate? He's like, is anybody going to help her? And then my youngest sister got up, I'll help. So the entire time I had been treated differently, my entire life, I had been treated differently. And it's almost like I was tolerated to be around because they would always try to, you know, leave me or do something. And when I was older and I became of age 17 and I was, I had graduated, well, my family was getting stationed to Italy. Well, they told me to stay home, not stay home, but stay in the state with my grandmother, stay in Colorado while they went off to Italy. So I never got to live over there because they didn't want to take me, right? So I did uh, feel, feel a kind of way about it, but my grandmother was like, you know what? You want to go into the military? And I was like, I did want to go into the military. So we tried to go into go get in the Air Force and my dad could have helped me uh, my, my uh, stepdad who is my stepdad but I always call him dad but he could have helped me get into the Air Force Academy but he never did so uh, that part to be an officer that that didn't work out because he went to the Air Force Academy because I live in Colorado Springs and that would be the best way to go into the military is go through the Air Force Academy well it didn't work out that way and I, I didn't go so then we had to go in with enlisted so i had to go see a recruiter and i didn't have a lot of uh education under my belt i had some classes i'd taken but i hadn't yet gotten my bachelor's degree or associate's degree because once you have a degree you automatically were uh, um, told that you go to be officer training right but i didn't have that so they gave me a higher rank then uh, when you start, because you usually start at E0, you know, you don't have anything, you're Airman Basic, and then uh, Airman, right? And then Senior Airman. So I went up to a couple a couple notches. So I was like, okay, <laughs> all right. So when the stuff happened in the military of me being sexually assaulted and raped in the military and them not wanting to deal with the junk that they did and then putting me in a psychiatric ward and my dad flying down to uh, Texas where I was at and say you don't need to be here and I was like I know that but I can't get out of here because I'm still in the, in the military so he couldn't leave so after all of that I just recall a lot of things that just didn't have to happen because I was trying to really escape my family. I went into military to escape. I went and got married to my my ex-husband to escape my family because I had been in a toxic family. You know, we would get all kinds of spankings and whoopings, but with with a reason. Like my mother would be so angry when she would do it. Right? It's not like it was a good thing. So. I do my best to uh, tell myself when I was younger, I'm never going to beat my kids like that. I'm not going to do that because there was so much rage and you would get hit, you know, like me. Sometimes you get hit with a hanger and you get welts and it would break your skin, you know, and they would rise up and they would burn, you know, so you just have to take it. And then if you're walking and she gets mad, she's tossing, you know, she's throwing my father's shoe at the back of your, your head or try to hit you we had to put on so much clothes one time so we would get beat she'd have you hold your hand out and keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it you know so the abuse that that was happening in 
type of, of life it really wasn't spankings like these are not your typical spankings these are you getting your butt like whooped for real and when we talk about whooped that means something right because it messes with you as a child as a child being hit like that it is impressionable and leaves a mark on you in your head and then you accept how other people treat you with the abuse that's there that's why i talk about domestic violence and abuse because as you go through things within your childhood it will affect the rest of your life as an adult and you have to like kind of deal with those things so i'm doing this and this is reflective sunday for me because i wanted to make sure i talked about that i want to make sure that i put that out there because it's scary when you think about certain parents that are saying they're disciplining their kids well the discipline is straight punishment and the punishment is severe right and this is what I was talking about, recreating about a monster family, because there were many things in my childhood where I got in so much trouble for little things, because I said there was an incident where I was super, super hungry still, and I went downstairs, and my mother had baked chicken. Well, I, I got a chicken leg, okay, a chicken drumstick, I got a drumstick, and then I went into the refrigerator, and I got a slice of cheese, okay, because I was still hungry. Well, I know she didn't approve, so I, I hid it. I ate the chicken, and I ate the cheese, and I hid the wrapper underneath, I think my pillow or underneath the bed, and I thought I was going to take it downstairs, and she wouldn't find it. Well, she found it, because for whatever reason, uh, I guess there wasn't enough chicken, or she might have counted or what. And she came up and said, so you want to steal, huh? And the next day, she took me downstairs, and she took out all the food out of the refrigerator and put me in front of it and said, since you want to steal, go ahead and eat all of that. Eat it. And I started crying. She's like, don't cry now. Eat it. So she had big heads of lettuce and big things of cabbage and the milk and the bread. Everything that was in the refrigerator was on this little uh, tiny children's table that we used to have, which was a red and white and blue table with a chair. And she put it all in front of me and said, eat it. And I was crying. She's like, don't cry now. You wanted to steal a piece of chicken and cheese. You want to steal, eat all this food right here. It's traumatizing, right? I would never do that to my kids. I would never do that to my children, ever. If they're hungry, they're just hungry. They want something extra, right? But for me, I was intimidated by my mother at that time and scared of her because she was extremely angry all the time. And if I ever got whoopings by her, it felt like she was trying to eliminate me, really, because they were very painful, right? They were very painful, but I took it. I would take it because you have no choice. You got to take it. And I remember all these different types of hits that I used to get. I said, even when I was younger, my brother and sister jumped me when I was living here in California the first time as a high schooler. They jumped me and were beating on me, too right and so when i came downstairs and i was crying my parents were like well, what happened i was like well uh, my brother and my sister they jumped me and they were you know beating on me and so my mother grabbed one and my father grabbed the son and they started beating you know on them so and i was holding my baby sister at the time sitting down and doing that because that was just how it was going because they would always tag team and get on me and so they always stuck together and I was the oldest but not always given the respect of a person being the oldest the oldest of myself and of course my sister is the oldest of that family and we are half siblings but I was raised together with them so they are you know my blood siblings of course but I had always been treated different even if there was me wanting to go out with a friend I had a curfew to come back and it would be earlier than my younger sister like she could stay out even later than I could and I would always have to be in at a certain time and then all of this stuff was happening right and I'm not like I said I'm not one to put my business in the street but there's certain things that after a while you can't contain anymore because this has been going on for years right so I I'm saying all of this to talk about about my father right all of this was going on 
and what would happen if I had known my dad would I I might have maybe skipped all of this trauma drama maybe I would not have even gone into the Air Force maybe I would have gone into the Navy because I went into the exact uh, military service that my dad did right if I was with my dad I would have gone to the Navy and I really had loved the Navy the entire time but I didn't know how to swim so I was like no I'm not gonna do that but maybe if I had you know been with my biological father maybe things would have been different I don't know you know I could only speculate into my own life and it was so hurtful because when I've been finding this stuff out I'm sitting here crying like my father could be right here in California right he could be right here and this entire time you could have told me the truth but now I have to go ask him his side even if he will even talk to me because I don't even know if that'll work because he's married, he's got kids, he's got grandkids, right? And there are other siblings I'm finding out that are out there. I got another brother that is related to us that is in St. Louis, apparently, and a sister who was born in California, but she lives in Vegas. Like I'm finding out there's other siblings. I don't know even know how many of us there are, are right now, but just within what I found out, I have three extra siblings, two brothers, one I don't know anything about, one that I've never met because I've met him on Ancestry and I haven't really talked to him in person, and then a younger sister who was 29 in Vegas. But we all look alike with our eyes. Our eyes are just very telling because they're so huge. So we look very similar. We don't look exactly the same, but your eyes give it away. Our eyes do. Even my kids, they all have big eyes. Those came from me, right? So I I was just wondering about all of this stuff. And I said, it didn't have to be this way. And when I had said I was going to create the series about the monster family, that would have been why, right? Because I dealt with, with people that I thought loved me, but they never really treated me like they loved me. They treated me like something else. And I always had felt like Cinderella because I was cleaning and everything. And I remember my girlfriend, so every time I call you, you're cleaning the kitchen, you're cleaning, you're cleaning, you're cleaning. She's like, you must be the black Cinderella because they always got you cleaning up. And even my, my friends, when I was in high school, they knew about my family, right? So even this stuff I couldn't even make up because some people have been witness in my own life about it, about what's going on, you know? So... I was just being reflective today and thinking about all the stuff that I've been finding out and that the Lord is allowing me to see and reveal to me in this year. And of course, we're at the fourth quarter and all this stuff is coming out now. And I'm just like, wow, Lord, it's, it's good. It's coming out. But it was emotionally a lot for me, you know, because I see that my father, who I believe is my dad, He's 64 years old and he's on Facebook. <laughs> so I gotta I gotta figure out when I'm gonna talk to the brother, if I'm gonna talk to the brother, I don't know, right? I'm trying to process this stuff and it's not easy for me to deal with. I'm trying to figure out all this stuff and ask myself, why did you lie, right? Cause I was, for some of you guys that may not know my history of my story, my mother didn't really want me, okay? She wanted to abort me, but my grandmother stopped her because I had a brother above her that she called Andrew, and she had taken his life by abortion, okay? So when they say it's okay to abort, no, I don't agree because I would have been that person for a woman to say, it's my right, it's my body. Well, my mother was going down, it's that's my right, my body, because she wasn't going to have any more contact with my father so she's been trying for a long time to use me for all types of stuff they used me for money she made up all kinds of lies even with the DOD and the government there is a paper trail of how they lied on me and how the father who I have had come back to Colorado Springs due to me and had utilized the government to get a humanitarian assignment saying that I was an incapacitated adult but I was able to do all types of stuff but they would like to lock me up in the psychiatric work which my mother did do 
okay so when you guys say well how can that be my mother took the story from the military and I'm gonna be very honest my mother took the story from the military where I was sexually assaulted in the military the military did not like that and the TI had said to me we got to make up a lie okay so you could get out here I was like how are you gonna make up a story he's like the way to get out of the military is a psychiatric order I said I don't want to be crazy he's like well you get your you get your money I was like, so you get to retire and I get to be crazy. He's like, it'll work. Okay, so whenever I deal with the VA, I have to run with the narrative that they gave to me that said I'm bipolar. Okay, not that that happened and not that I am, right? So I had to take their medication and I have to take it and I have to always go into a psychiatric ward because that's where they have always seen me so when that happened and they took my kids do you know where they they put me in the VA in a psychiatric ward because that was a narrative that was already ran from the DOD when I was in active duty my mother took that very exact same story even though it wasn't true right she took that exact same narrative and she ran with it and she took the lie that they lied on me right they lied on me and she knew that they were giving me pills to try to erase my memory of what happened right so she said don't take the medication they'll erase your memory well to her because I was in the psychiatric ward for so long for like three months they're giving me so much medication so when I was going back to my family's house and I stayed with them they would have the medication they would make sure that I took it all the psychiatric things and of course there were times that she committed me two times she committed me uh, to the lighthouse which was Pikes Peak Mental Health she committed me to the lighthouse in Colorado Springs and to Cedar Behavioral Center so you just check that out those are real places that I was committed to and when I was committed to the Cedar Springs behavioral place I was just so upset because she kept committing me to these psychiatric wards so they said do you feel so sad I said you know what yeah I do you know what fine because so I was trying to take my life and get away from you just put me in here and so I stayed locked up in there for a long time okay fast forward to 2020 okay 2020 when my kids got taken March 26 2020 right and they had taken me to the psychiatric ward once again the emergency room in West Los Angeles the Los Angeles VA and I got down they had taken my kids well I went back to my home well my parents had come over to my apartment and I was cleaning my apartment my way they didn't like that right and I didn't have my kids and my dad had come over to check and see things and he he said, oh, she's not taking her medication. Medication that I had that was old that I wasn't supposed to take, right? That they told me I wasn't supposed to take, okay? Clearly, I was not supposed to take. My doctor had told me that, but I hadn't had time to take it down to the VA and give it back to them because they said they would take it and I could drop it off in these containers and give it back to them so they could dispose of it. Well, I hadn't had time to do that. So my dad said, oh, she's not taking her medication. So let's go ahead and commit her. He was part of committing me to the psychiatric ward right and she was part of committing me to the psychiatric ward now why they did that was because they would get money from me because in the very beginning when they did that the first time the thirteen thousand dollars that i was getting in back pay they took and every single money that i was getting every month like it was two thousand something from the va they would get they would take because she was my fiduciary so she had control over the money so they would have that they would take that so after taking that money, they tried to commit me again to the psychiatric ward, which they did do. They went to the Long Beach VA, okay? This is now no longer Colorado Springs. The Long Beach VA, where I live in San Pedro, they took me to the Long Beach VA. My mother was trying to find a way in, and my dad had sit there looking, and she was just so gonna hold to find someone to commit me to the psychiatric ward and tell me, and tell them the story well she's not taking her medication and I kept telling the people at the Long Beach VA why are you guys listening to them they're not my conservatorship they're not a fiduciary there's no power of attorney they're not a guardian they're nothing I'm the veteran why are you listening to them and they said well why would they commit you to the VA why would they bring you here I was like because it's my mother and they said oh well they didn't care they put me in the psychiatric ward. I stayed in the psychiatric ward in uh, the VA in Long Beach for two weeks. Two weeks taking medications and being uh, shoved with a big needle of a bill. Five people held me down. 
and were putting the abilified needle in me right and it was so painful and it hurt and these people had pinned me down in the psychiatric ward it was not fun okay they don't understand what happens to you in the psychiatric ward but listen it's not fun they don't treat veterans right and that long beach va it's got a whole bunch of problems and they don't treat you right even the doctor gave me borderline personality disorder and put it in my record without evaluation even running with the lie that i was bipolar he put another psychiatric uh disorder in my record i had to leave that va because i said no the next time i come back you're gonna put schizophrenia or the next time i come back you put ptsd but having all those psychiatric issues put in my record make me look like i'm looney tunes and then the more you put that in there the more you guys are going to try and commit me to the hospital and and keep it and i used to tell my family a lot about my VA medical stuff and tell them about that. And they, the more they knew, the more that gave them the ammunition to do what they did. So they thought that when they committed me to the psychiatric ward, because I was there and I hadn't paid my rent, right? They didn't think I had paid my rent, but I had it on automatic pay. So the discharge papers, you know, fast forward to all of that, they put the discharge papers to discharge me to my grandmother's house. And I said, why would they discharge me to my grandmother's house and not my own apartment? Because they thought the money was not going to be paid. And then that meant I would be evicted. So I'd have to live with them. And that would give them the reason to be my fiduciary again. And I'd be an adult child living with them. But my rent was already automatically paid. Right? That's by the grace of God. Because whenever you're financially unstable, and that's for my family, whenever you're financially unstable, you're very vulnerable. My family will prey on you. If you guys ever seen that movie, The Family That Prays, they prey on you when you're not stable financially. So it took everything in me to not be angry at my mother, okay? Because they did some dirty dirt, right? That stuff was, was terrible. And I'm letting it out now because I can't sit up here and keep holding it in. Even the VA played around doing some stuff. There was a young man that came in into my room before I was getting discharged and he said do you see anything wrong and he was wearing a little girl's headband with little bows on it around his head a white little uh, guy with brown hair and glasses he said hey Mr. Drake how are you doing today just checking to see uh, and evaluate you and see if we can release you do you see anything and he was wearing this little girl headband around his head looking crazy so if I would have said yes, then I would have deemed crazy that I'm seeing things that I shouldn't see. Okay, that's how that goes. If I would have said yes, they said, oh, you're seeing things you shouldn't see. Why would he put on something like that? So I just kept saying no. He's like, do you see anything? Anything at all? I said, no. You don't see anything? I said, no, I don't see anything. He's like, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. Because I know the game. I said, well, I wasn't in the military long enough because my career was ruined by my T.I., why I wasn't in there long enough I knew in my head they had trained me to be a psychiatric patient and I knew what to say and what not to say and because they had threatened myself and a friend of mine when we were stationed in Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio Texas and they said if you guys don't act right you guys are going to be shipped to Washington DC and you guys are both going to receive the electroshock therapy and we knew we didn't want that because our friend whose name was David they had taken him because he wasn't doing what they told him. And they took him and flew him to Washington, D.C. When he came back, he was drooling on himself. He had had that electroshock therapy. I said, no, that must have scrambled his brain. But they threatened us with that. So I knew I didn't want that in the military. Fast forward once again to 2020. Well, April happened. I got out. I came home. And I was so sad because my kids were still gone. All this happened, and they, I didn't, my kids weren't around right and so my kids were already taken somewhere else so they didn't know what happened right they do they would never know and that was the point of my family because they were working in the background to take my kids if they had me and they got me then they could take my kids and get paid from the foster care system and all of that because the person who i thought was a friend heidi <clears throat> she said i'm gonna watch your kids because you know it's not because of the money but she was treating my kids very poorly as well right my son almost lost his life due to her not watching him he almost drowned in the ocean okay and he talks about it to this very day he doesn't even want to go to the ocean because he has a traumatic experience and the way that they had treated my kids 
they treated them poorly. And of course I would expect it because there it was a white family and my kids are black. So, you know, they would have to clean up and do a lot of stuff. And Anisha, my, my daughter who has autism, she wasn't treated right. She was yelled at, all that stuff. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I treated, my kids were treated poorly, okay? They were treated really bad. And so uh, my kids would try to tell me, but of course they couldn't tell me anything because they weren't allowed to leave the house except for walk around and they couldn't really say anything until they were back in my home and then they would tell me everything that Miss Heidi and her, her husband Roger did, right? Even in my home, Mr. Roger came over and he was yelling at me <clears throat> because they were trying to get over. They started planning trips and all kind of stuff. You know, all this stuff was happening and people didn't know, like DCFS didn't know. I started taking notes about what happened. If my son would have drowned, they would say, oh, well, it's just an accident. And I would have had a dead son, right? I was just praying every night that my kids were okay. And like I said, I'm glad that they're back, right? Because they were, they were not treated well, okay? And my daughter, who's very sociable, Karina, she would tell me, Mom, fix this. I can't be here. You need to fix this. Fix it. And she was always yelled at and treated poorly as well. And I told her, you just have to keep taking care of the kids, and I'm trying to do my best to fix it. And I was so glad when they came home. And she said, I don't know why she had to go through what she went through is what she would tell me. And I said, I'm sorry, baby. You know, she didn't want that. Now that's a part of their history. We're talking about Miss Heidi and, and Mr. Nelson. You know, they don't want to hear about that. They don't ever want to hear about that. So it's like, I can't even bring them up. They said, why would you bring that up? Why would you talk about Heidi? Don't talk about her. They don't want to talk about the kids because the kids used to beat them up, right? One of the sons used to call my, my son an idiot and he'd get away with it. You know, there was stuff that was going on and it was just horrible. So when I say monster family, they exist everywhere. Even my kids were with another monster family, right? So I just wanted to share that because this has been something that's been on my mind for a long time. And I'll probably get onto the Laugh Inc. and share in the Chronicles a little bit more about uh, the traumas and stuff my kids had faced during their whole DCFS uh, stay. But for today, I know this has gone long, but monster families are real. And they're abusive, they're toxic. And that's why people like myself and others escape from their toxic, abusive family. And they go run to a toxic, abusive man. And I ran to him because I was trying to get away from my family. And to be honest, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't looking for the signs, right? And I didn't even know the signs of what an abusive person as a domestic violence looked like. I just knew I wanted to get away from my family. And because I had seen my dad who had uh, taken my mother when they had their domestic violence incident where she was yelling at him and calling him Jimmy, Jimmy Hanna and slap his glasses off his face in the hallway where I was awake at night at age 17 in Illinois at Scott Air Force Base. And after she had gone to take her shower and she was fully naked, came out and my father, <laughs> my dad called me, Tanika, come here. And he called me loud and I was the only one awake, the only one awake. And he picked up my mother by her, both of her hands and her two feet. And she was a heavy set woman. She was very heavy. She was very big. He picked her up all the way off the ground with all his strength. And he flung her as hard as he could into the closet door. Bam! And she dropped to the floor. And all I could do was cover her up with a towel. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't call 911. Because I said, if you get rid of him, he's only working. Where are we going to go? His career could have been destroyed at that moment. I could have destroyed it at that moment. But I didn't. And of course, looking back, maybe that wasn't the right decision. I don't know. But for me, I was still a child at 17. I didn't really know what to do. It's like you ruined the man's career. Where are we going to go? We 
have schools and stuff that we were in I didn't know what we were gonna do I was trying to think about all that because they were always talking about money all the time and they don't have enough money they don't have enough money that was a talk around our home money was never enough everything was always scarce So I'm talking about this because, of course, it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. This is October, and abuse is real. And children need to be protected because whatever happens to them in their childhood does stay to their adult life. And it's only a small little bit of time that you're a child. You got from your infancy all the way to age 17, 18 years of age. Normally 17, but 18 years of age, that's it. childhood is that small gap of time and for all those years you're impressed upon how you are going to live my kids will not be beaten by me like how I was beaten when I was younger those were whoopings those were beatings and would hit me with anything anything So there's more to this story, of course, because I have a, a sexual issue as well, because I have a problem and the Lord, I just pray that the Lord helps me with it, right? And that stemmed from when I was younger too. But we won't talk about that at this moment. We'll put a pin in it and we'll talk about some other stuff again real soon. So I did want to encourage you guys to just love your kids, okay? Love them. And if you need to get parenting classes, do that. Because there's other tools out there to utilize than corporal punishment. I understand that from the African-American community, we've always used corporal punishment. But that does a lot more harm than good. My mother used corporal punishment, and we do not have a good relationship today. We don't have a good relationship today. I don't want to talk to her. Not like that. I would never tell her anything close because she has always used something against me get something out of me if I need anything from them they've always tried to use me for some kind of monetary gain even purchasing a house in Colorado Springs with the information and the money that they had from me to get their house and I couldn't I can't get a house never paid any of my stuff on credit like she was supposed to do because she just wanted the money to get what she got for her and her husband and her family and now I have to deal with my ex-husband stealing my identity, taking the child tax credit, filing a tax return, married, filing joint, and we're not married. I have to deal with all this toxicity and all these people still trying to control me financially. So when I talk about this stuff, this is my life. It could be made into a movie right now. The evilness of people towards me. That's why I say if anything does, anybody does anything wicked to me, there's you couldn't do half of the wicked things that's been done to me by my family. You couldn't do half of the wicked things. You could do half of the wicked things my ex-husband has done to me. You couldn't. So that's why I can smile. That's why I can smile because I should be really crying, curled up in a ball somewhere. But the Lord has made me strong. So one time I'm going to have a, a very sexual one where we will be dealing with a sexual sin. And I got my scriptures and everything with that. And I'm going to talk about something, some things, but I'm going to make sure I, I, I'm tasteful with it because I don't want to be super graphic. But I want to let people know that the sexual sin that is there is real. And when you have been having that when you were a child and in the military, for me, it causes a problem. It really does. So I give all the honor to the Lord for protecting me through some of these really hard and devastating times. Being sexually assaulted by different people and raped by different people, it's not fun for me. It has never been. So I'm going to get out of here and I want you guys to be blessed, motivated, and always inspired to do what God lays on your heart. And listen, we're going to be start talking about some stuff because the, the church needs to talk about these things. We need to bring these things up in the church. Some churches may be talking about, but we need to talk about it more so we can address it. We have brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that are going through domestic violence and abuse and 
they're not being able to talk about it in church because church doesn't deal with it only some churches do and i can't say all churches don't but we need to have more churches talking about these type of things so that people can really start to heal and not be abused because when you're vulnerable like that you'll go to someone and you'll be vulnerably taken advantage of so if we make people aware they won't be taken advantage of as much because now they've been made aware so I'm going to continue to do my part talking about my life to help somebody else. Because me hiding my life is not helping anybody. So I pray that this has helped you. And if you're in an abusive family, listen, understand, God's going to get you out. He got me out, but I, got my, I tried to get myself out by running with this man. That wasn't the way I needed to go, but everything happens for a reason. It was a hard 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 lesson a lot of hard lessons a real lesson being punched in the face <laughs> with a bag of you know cans and my lip being split so i just want you guys to have a blessed day like i said and don't forget to check out the morning combos on mondays and then don't forget to check out Friday nights as well. And you guys, please pray for me that everything works out for my job. And that also the $105 that I had to give for that that phone, that the Lord would help me to replace that money. Because <laughs> I said, you know, my daughter just needs peace. Just pay the $105 for the little broke down phone and just move on. Sometimes you got to have peace as much as it depends on you. Romans 12, 18. Live peaceably with everyone as as much as it depends on you. Live peaceably with everyone. So that was my way to make peace. I didn't want to give $105 because it's not her fault. But <clears throat> it is what it is. So let me get out of here. And uh, you guys have an amazing and blessed Sunday. I'll talk to you guys again very soon. God bless.